Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. And welcome to the Holistic Health Hour with me, Holistic Life Strategies Coach, Aleka Thorvalson. This unique and inspiring show allows us to look at our lives in a whole new way, tuning into our health, our wellness, and happiness from a mind, body, spirit, and soul perspective. It is my intent to create a new kind of dialogue about our health, about our bodies, about our relationships, and our lives, empowering transformation from the inside out. Welcome to part three of the relationship series. I know, we've covered a lot of ground. In the last few shows, we have been trudging through a deeper understanding of co-encounter dependency and how these patterns can show up in our relationships and our lives and really block us from the real and lasting intimacy that we, we really crave. So this is part three, and if you want to listen to the last two shows that I did, part one and part two, they are archived um, at Blog Talk Radio, Mind, Body, Spirit, You. All of our shows are. There's lots to choose from. Many amazing teachers here at Mind, Body, Spirit, You. So you can go um, and find them there. You can also um, find the shows via my own website, which is Aleka Sky, A-L-E-K-A, SKY.com. Um, and I really want to thank you all for kind of hanging with me through the last two, two shows. I know they were tough. I mean, we're looking into those shadowy sort of darker places. Um, today, hopefully, we are really going to start to initiate and evoke some of the light that can come from the healing work. So um, I heard a lot of, I heard a lot of stories from all of you about the last show. Um, especially you know, what was interesting is that I especially liked hearing about um, how it pertained to your life and how you're seeing the patterns in your own life, and maybe for the first time, or maybe you're getting a deeper understanding about those patterns in your life. The other thing that I found really fascinating was many of you wrote about the physical effects that you were unaware of and how sort of the dance and patterns of co-encounter dependency can actually show up in our physical health, in our physical, in our life, really. So, you know, there is very little separation between mind and body. That's something that I talk about a lot. Um, And so it's great to be able to recognize that interplay between how we're thinking and what we're believing about ourselves and then how it shows up in our life. So, so much gratitude. Thank you for sharing your experience, your stories of hope, your stories of healing. you know, and I, I appreciate that. So if, if you have more that you would like to share, contact me. I love feedback. Um, and I'm always, you know, if, if you'd like to check out the work that I do and, and how I help people kind of move through transformation and shifting and changing, you can look on my website for that as well. So it's a great resource. Um, I think 
that you, I'm just going to go right into part three because there's a lot of ground to cover. And <clears throat> we've, we've been talking a lot about what's keeping us stuck, you know, and, and just how aware those patterns got set in place. And so now we're sort of in that, <laughs> that arena where we want to say, now what? Right? Now what do we do? Well, it's time to begin the healing process. And how do we do that? Tonight's show is about the first step to really doing that by illuminating the purpose. Maybe the sacred purpose, right? The whole purpose of relationships. The gift of relationships. So that's tonight's show. Because I, I and you'll see, you'll see how that healing ourselves and relationships go hand in hand. But before I go too deeply into that, I want to point something out. Um, in the last few shows, I have at length described sort of these dysfunctional patterns and habits and behaviors that can show up around co-encounter dependency. But I realized that I didn't necessarily highlight the gifts, and I want to do that now. Because if you've lived through dysfunction, yeah, you probably have a lot of that. But healing means that we're, it's time to shed light on the gifts, the grace that we have been initiated with through our experience. So you have forged coping skills, no doubt, that may, on, in the shadow side, basically the unconscious manifestation of these can keep us stuck. But when we excavate and acknowledge and see these, these parts of ourselves, what we can find is a gift, right? So they can also grant you the very freedom that you seek. They can actually, these parts of us that may have kept us stuck can actually set us free. Resiliency, tenacity, strength, courage, sensitivity, intuition, intelligence, compassion, commitment, all are present, right? All are present. There's, um, I love this, this fact, um, in, in ancient mythology, right, there's sort of this understanding, in, in ancient myth in general, that anyone that was anyone had to go through hell first. They kind of had to travel through Hades. It's sort of the hero's journey of discovery, right? Why? Why do we do this? Because the grace of wisdom is forged in the fire of challenge. It is so important to recognize and acknowledge that your pain, your experience, holds tremendous wisdom for you. We may have to do some digging, right, to find the treasure chest. We may have to dust it off. We may have to pry open that, um, that chest. You may have to do the work of going inward. And then the work that healing that healing requires to claim the gifts. But please know that grace is present even in the darkest places. That change, transformation, and healing really is about discovering the gifts within the shadows of our past. So those childhood holes, that of unworthiness that we spoke of, the caverns of shame you may carry, the emptiness, um, of, of disappointment and hurt can actually become portals of transformation leading us to acceptance 
attention, appreciation, affection, acceptance, and authenticity. And I, so I, I said acceptance twice because it's so important, right? Acceptance. These are all the ways that we channel real love. You know, so healing means we have to, we have to reveal these inner child wounded parts of ourselves so we can finally love her and maybe even reparent her into a mature and whole self. Our wounds do not have to diminish us. In fact, our wounds are the, are the very way that we can activate these healing powers of love to fill whatever inner hollowness that we feel. The deeper we dive into these empty, hollow places, the more we find our gifts. So rather than run, ignore, deny, right? Repress our inner wastelands. If we shed some light on it, if we can sprinkle it with, with these verbs, right? These seeds of love, like awareness, accountability, acceptance, compassion, forgiveness, we can bring this once sort of deadened part of us back to life. And what happens then is we ground us we ground ourselves in a sense of wholeness rather than lack and of full rather than empty. Then there's no need to look outward because we are truly enough. And that is why I always say the way out is by going within. Right? But, but to do this, we actually have to be conscious of and locate our wounds, the wounds that we so badly need to heal. You know, we need to locate the emptiness that we so desperately want to fill. Well, relationships are the very best way to begin to start locating those places. If you remember in the last show, I mentioned that we do this thing where we draw people to us, right? People in situations with the intent to heal in some way. So the whole point of relationships then, the gift of relationships, are to push our, our buttons to the past so then they can be revealed and then we can choose to heal in present time. So the point of this sort of replaying our past is to allow us to witness the very limiting patterns of belief and behavior that we have so we can choose differently. In fact, we are sort of set up to repeat these past patterns so we can actually make new choices and create change, which is really good news. Because if change was found in them, meaning if it was about trying to change you or change the other person, right, then we would be stuck. We would be victims at that point because we really can't change another. So we would sort of be like, feathers blowing in the winds of fate where we really didn't know where to go next and we didn't have a feeling of empowerment. So I think it's really important to recognize that we can have accountability and relationships show us exactly where to look within ourselves. 
And the truth about healing is that if we desire it, right, we are not given it, but we are giving opportunities to heal. If we desire forgiveness, we are not given forgiveness, but opportunities to practice evoking it. If we desire patience, if we desire love or peace, we're not gifted those things, but opportunities to claim it. So if you were denied those things, if you were denied authentic expression or assertiveness, love, a feeling of true worth, and if you were left with that inner sense of, of emptiness, then relationships are the gateway to point you to the very blocks keeping you from claiming those things. You really are here now to reparent yourself using tools of maturity and insight. And it really is about claiming maturity by being in the present moment rather than the past. In, in fact, being a, an adult where you are and not allowing the inner child to run the show and especially pick our mates, right? But, you know, we, in intimate relationships, our deep core wounds are triggered. Our most insidious habits and ways of control are engaged for the sole purpose of working on ourselves. So wherever you are, it's important to recognize you are there for a reason because it's showing you exactly the path to your own healing. So doing relationships right is not focusing on what they need to do to change, or what they should do, but what we need to do. So this, this sense of interdependence, which I talked about in the last show, which is a healthy relationship, interdependent means that the, in, the focus is inward accountability rather than outward control or blame right? or neediness, clinginess. But it's, it's important to recognize that we are not conditioned to think about relationships in this way. We really aren't. We're not, we're not taught to see them as a tool for our own growth. We, what we are taught and conditioned in is the fairy tale. So it's no wonder that we are confused. Think about the messages we get from the media about relationships, right? It's kind of funny, for real. I was talking about this with a client of mine the other day, right? How old were you when you saw your first Disney movie? I, I mean, I honestly don't remember, but there was a lot of them. And... You know, there was this, this concept of that we're conditioned to believe that if we're doing it right, we find this one person who's our soulmate, and we live happily ever after, right, with children that adore us, and, and with children that always do what we say, and spouses that are forever romantic and kind, right, and we have these family pets that never barf on the floor, right? I'm thinking of my own day today. <laughs> Um, I'm with cats, lovely, right? So we get these messages that it's, it's um, happily ever after. We get messages that tell us that our romantic relationships should make us happy and complete and that they have the capacity to actually fill that hole that we might feel inside. We get messages from our conditioning that parents should always love us and should never make mistakes. That's what's, that's what's sort of, quote-unquote, supposed to happen, right? That's what the movies say. 
That's sort of this understanding. And our, our partners should, should um, always be totally present and give us the love that we're lacking. But, you know, the, the, the whole thing is movies are made up. It's, it's fantasy. That's the whole point. Because the reality is that our partner trigger, our partners trigger the hell out of us. Our parents do too. And our parents and our partners both screw up. We screw up. Our kids have their own lives and they, are, they should be making their own mistakes. And um, our, our cats definitely barf on the floor. You know, it is not a fairy tale. So we are conditioned by society to believe that happily ever after exists. That relationships should be fairy tales. But that is not what they are for. That is not the true purpose of relationships at all. We are confused because we're taught that romance is love. And that's not true either. There is a distinct difference between romance and real love. Romance is, is necessary. I mean, it's wonderful. It's awesome. And it can certainly be, it certainly be um, alive, the whole relationship. But romance really is that initial stage of attraction where we are drawn to another person, usually because they have something we lack or that they demonstrate something that we have but have not yet owned or expressed within ourselves. For example, maybe they are very um, into their feelings, right? And we're not, so we would be attracted to them. It's like they, they have this part that we don't. Or maybe we feel very safe with them. They have an air of confidence and security that makes us feel safe or that they can protect us. Maybe they're incredibly creative or, or handsome or beautiful or inspired or free. Think about what attracted you most to your partner and you will reveal an unclaimed part of you. In some ways, these early romantic experiences feel like a missing puzzle piece in our lives has finally been fit. So in a healthy space, when we're really grounded in, 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 in our, in our um, adult selves, we can be conscious that they are actually a mirror for our own worth, and then we can actually do the work to recognize it in ourselves. But if we we're coming from this, this sort of um, unhealed place, or we have unhealed wounds running the show, that we may think our own, our own um, healing is actually going to be done by the mere presence of them in our lives, and we don't actually have to do it for ourselves. In a way, we accept the crumb that the bread was leading us to. We think romance is the thing we're looking for. So we'll say, you know, I'm not going to do my own stuff, or I can't, or I don't know how, right? So I'll just take what you have, and I'll live my life through you. You can complete me. In this phase, we see a lot of specialness, right? You are my everything. It's never been like this. And the all-time favorite, we've been together in past lives. It feels so familiar. Now, I'm not saying that's not true. Right? But anytime we see a lot of specialness, it's a good indication that we might be wanting to find a rescuer because we, we don't know that we can actually grow up and heal and rescue ourselves. 
Specialness is about disconnect rather than connection. So then, of course, you know, if you recognize these patterns here that I'm alluding to, intercodependency and counterdependency. So these dysfunctional patterns show up when we are letting our unhealed wounds, our scared, maybe inner child, run the relationship and pick our mates. You know, and as I said, romance is awesome and it is important because really it is the bridge, it is that entry to real and lasting love. But it is the beginning of the bond. It is not the bond. Romance is not love. Co-encounter dependency shows up when we stay stuck in the romance phase of projection and illusion and where we attach, right, think of that key in that lock, you complete me, rather than really connect, right? Rather than be interdependent. As long as we believe that someone else has the power to make us happy or complete us in a way that we feel lacking, then we are setting ourselves up to be victims. And, and then we give our power away. Robert Burney, who wrote um, great books on codependency, um, has this great quote here that says, as long as we believe that we have to have the other in our life to be happy, we are really just an addict trying to protect our supply, using another person as our drug of choice. And that is not true love, nor is it loving. Ouch, right? And that's kind of an intense one but I kind of want to make that very clear, so I'm using an extreme. Because real love is a choice and it is a challenge. And the, the, the sort of initiation to claiming it, this real love, usually shows up around the first real conflict you have in a relationship. So if the romance part is a projection of our unclaimed light, then conflict is the first projection of our unhealed shadow. And then this is where the real work begins and where love can actually be instigated. If you grew up in dysfunction, you likely weren't taught how to handle conflict or even expect it. And it, it actually might scare you, right? Because you probably saw really unhealthy versions of it. So it might make you go into old patterns of protection and defense. Many of us actually have no idea what a healthy adult relationship um, or adult conflict looks like. All we know is that, you know, we must be doing it wrong because our life is not a fairy tale, because that's where we are, even though we are trying so hard to do it right. So I want you to understand this and have some compassion for yourself that you may not have gotten very good models of what this looks like, which is why this whole concept of healing ourselves in our relationships is really about reparenting ourselves and giving ourselves the right models, the correct models, the healthy models. And the truth is, healthy conflict is a necessary, natural, and normal part of relationship. It's actually really good. It's required. Because... Think about it. Relationships, relationships of even on themselves, like when you look at a person, right, they have this sort of, they are their own person. And, and if you're looking at it from an energetic perspective, they're energetically themselves, right? 
we got one person, we got another person. And then when they come together, there's sort of this new entity created. There's, it's like it, it has a presence all its own. So relationships really are their own organisms all in themselves, especially when we're doing it right. Conflict is a natural part of growth in general. So for a relationship, for a system to continually grow and move forward and, and stay active, it has to grow. And conflict is necessary for this. Breaking down and building back up is, is sort of this vital and necessary part of life. So seen this way in argument, right, conflict can actually become a tremendous experience for personal and collective growth. It really can become an opportunity to claim true intimacy. Why? Because it can isolate our projection and point us exactly where we need to address our wounds. Right? It can show us exactly where our feelings are. And, and it can show us what space within us needs filling, what child part within us needs reparenting. You can certainly get a whole show on um, sort of integration and pro projection and how that works, so you can go back and listen to that one. I, I'm not going to go into that here, but, you know, just suffice to say that we project these parts of ourselves that we cannot own on others. So the gift of conflict, when done with conscious intent, can really be used to ignite change within us and to finally offer ourselves the acceptance, the compassion, right, the, um, the real boundaries, in a sense, real love that we have been striving for. So conflict, when done correctly, is a path to real love. It sort of becomes this walkway into our inner world and allows us to be truly accountable to what is there. So when we're, when we're doing it in a, in a conscious way, we can move into awareness with it where we're triggered and we can ask ourselves, why is that? We can evoke curiosity, right? What does that mean for me? Remember, curiosity and fear cannot coexist. So old patterns of fear can be can be really annihilated when we evoke curiosity. What is this about? Now, this is in contrast when fear or old patterns run the show because what we're saying is um, that triggered me, so you need to fix it, and then you never need to do it again, right? Defending is the opposite of addressing. So when we evoke curiosity rather than blame, we can become a witness to our own feelings and our own experience. We can literally slow down time enough where we can ask ourselves, is this experience that I'm having right now, is this feeling, is this trigger that I, that's showing up for me about now or my past? And in that way, we can really channel our compassionate adult self rather than our child. Right? In healthy conflict, we can become assertive rather than conceding. Because healthy conflict and being um, loving does not mean that we are a doormat and we have no boundaries. Far from it. That would be, you know, codependency, right? We, in a healthy relationship and in healthy conflict, we maintain authentic boundaries, 
yet at the same time we stay very connected to ourselves and the other person. And we're able to know the difference between occasional situations where we actually need to stay and work on it, right, where it's just tough, um, and maybe our partner is struggling, and we know when we need to leave. We have a clear idea about what abuse looks like. Um, you know, I love this, this understanding. We show unconditional love for what is divine and unconditional in our partner and conditional love for their wounds and ego. So if we are living with an active addict, right, we have conditional love if, if their life is being run by their ego, which would be showing up with addiction. But we have unconditional love for what is true and real within them. So it, the most loving thing we can do in a situation like that is likely leave. Anything else is enabling. We're not going to enable them to continue in patterns that are dysfunctional to them. That's not loving. Right? So we actually are loving them unconditionally by not allowing them to enable themselves or ourselves right? if, if, if the situation is reversed. So we can really use conflict as a way of allowing change rather than reenacting old patterns. And sometimes this is, you know, this, as, as we're working through this stuff, it's really important to work with someone else through this because we can, it's so easy to get drugged down in time, you know, but first we need to have that awareness, that mindfulness about what we are doing. And those are all tools that help us in the process of getting here. In a healthy relationship and with healthy conflict, we use conflict as a way of allowing change rather than reenacting old patterns. Right? And you can listen to past shows that I've done on all of this stuff to kind of understand the how-tos. But we, we are honest and we listen through our partner's ears. We really listen, not through our own ears, through our own filter, but through theirs. How, what is it that they are likely trying to tell us? Are we hearing it correctly? We understand that we have our own unique way of expressing ourselves, and so do our partners. And we ask for what we need, right? Both of those things can lead us to vulnerability, which leads us to maturity. So in a really healthy relationship with healthy conflict, we make a commitment to work on ourselves together. So this kind of conflict is very different than the drama that shows up in codependency, where there's a lot of blame and a lot of reenacting and a lot of um, manipulation and a lot of game playing. Right? So to heal, we must heal our real wounds, which are, which are ours, not the ones that we project on our partner. We must grow up and, and really end the idea of the fairy tale because you know what relationships are messy as hell your prince is going to have issues and it's not your job to fix him right but to look inward at just what needs fixing within you and act from that place so to be willing to be consciously courageous and emotionally honest is a huge risk i get it but it is the act of truth that allows us to change these co-encounter-dependent patterns and to really heal. 
And to do this dance with another person is what mature love really is all about. So the next time you're in an argument with somebody or a conflict, what does this mean for you? What is this about for you? What old past wound is it triggering, right? What feelings are emerging? Is it about now? Because when we, you know, have a relationship with someone, what we're really bringing is all the relationship we've, we've had with everyone. When you see it that way, then you can actually start doing the work. So, you know, amazing things start to happen when we can find someone who's willing to show up and do the work with us like this. And, and maybe this brings us to the concept of soulmates, right? I, know, I promised I would talk about that. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think the concept of soulmates has been romanticized as well, um, much like the fantasy of relationships has. So I'm not one of those people that's, that's, that's really um, sort of in the, the, the fantasy of it all. I think that, you know, I said it earlier that it takes someone to lead us to ourselves. And I think this is the job of soulmates, quite simply. It's, it's quite, you know, um, simple really. We are attracted to those parts we lack and the parts that need development or healing. So in, 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 in simple terms, our soulmates are really just teachers. And if we meet a soulmate, a teacher, it doesn't mean we are going to live happily ever after at all, right? It means that we're going to have some work to do. There's some learning happening. I found this, um, this great sort of little segment from Eat, Pray, Love um, by Elizabeth Gilbert where she says, People think a soulmate is your perfect fit, and that's what everyone wants. But a true soulmate is a mirror, the person who shows you everything that is holding you back, the person who brings you to your own attention so you can change your life. A soulmate's purpose is to shake you up, tear apart your ego a little bit, show you your obstacles and addictions, break your heart open so new light can get in, make you desperate and out of control that you have to transform your life. I think that's a great definition, to be honest, right? Because it it gives us truth, not fantasy. So the bastard that sued you, right, and triggered a huge amount of fear, the woman you met at the supermarket that said the exact right thing to you, those are your soulmates. As much as your father, your mother, your sister, your brothers, your kids, your in-laws, your boyfriends, your spouses, they're all soulmates too. They're all here to teach you something important about you. Our soulmates can last a lifetime or just a summer or a day. Sometimes it feels incredibly significant and we've only known someone for an hour. And sometimes we can be related to them our whole life and not really get the learning. So a good soulmate is is likely the person that you can't stand as much as it is the one you have a ton in in common with. Some people even say, teachers will say, that a soulmate that triggers you is your greatest teacher. Because people who have the potential to trigger us show us a deeply wounded part of ourselves. 
as well as the people that we adore, show us the unclaimed light parts of ourselves. So soulmates are divine teachers that prompt us to grow. Right? So a healthy relationship with a soulmate, it's a focus on you rather than on them. What buttons are being pushed for you? What are your triggers? What are you needing to look at within yourself? What is the relationship showing you about you? Soulmates are brought into your life so that you can expand and grow into the very best person of yourself. They push you to find purpose and develop authenticity. They allow your soul to transform and grow. Love is soul stuff. It is. At the essence of it, there's a mystical quality to it. There has to be. Right? It's not linear or logical. So we are are just organically drawn to the very people that have the most to teach us. But how does that get in place? Right? Do we make these agreements before we come topside to this earth experience? You know, I think that's up for you to decide. That's the debate part of it. I, I mean, I happen to think that we do. You know, I, I think that there's, there's too much synchronicity um, within our lives when we come down to it to believe that everything is just random. But it doesn't really matter how you feel, you know, you make up your own story about that. That's a personal thing. What matters is that you understand that that soulmates, these people in your life are showing up to teach you something important about you. Remember, relationships challenge us because their intent is to ignite change within us. And the nature of change is challenge. Right? So... You know, I've I've given you sort of the end result of what love is. And then the work is how we get there. And I want to point out, too, that if we are conscious and really doing the work, then we actually do get to the place of safety and wholeness that we so desire. It is our own. But we only get there after we have traversed our own shadow or our own pain. You know, and another point that we want to bring out, when we use relationships as a tool for our own growth, that doesn't mean that we live happily ever after with that person. In fact, we may actually realize after doing our work that this isn't the relationship at all for us. So it's important to recognize that a relationship that ends is not a failure or a punishment. It's just a lesson. You know, and and honestly, if that brings up fear for you, if it brings up fear to think about your relationship ending, that's good. Because that's exactly what I'm talking about. I'm not saying that um, ending a relationship, you know, isn't going to bring up trepidation. Of course, it's change. You know, of course it will bring up some fear or even evoke sadness. But if we're in that place where we can't even imagine living without that person or we really don't know how we would, then that tells us we have a lot of work to do. Because that's attachment. And it's more like need than want. And I'm not even saying we wouldn't miss the person. I mean, it's not like we go, yeah, I'd be fine. We we would have feelings. We're human. We might be sad or angry. Yeah. 
there is a fine distinction between the line of want and need. And that is the difference between love, right, that we think, this romantic love, and real love. It's the difference between inner child running the show and our adult self. Because when our self-worth is not at risk, we're grounded in ourselves, then the other person in our life only adds to it. Right? It means we allow the other person in risking our safety because we ultimately feel safe. We don't control or try to manage life in such a way to, to, try to, to try to make sure that no one hurts us. So it's not trusting that the other person won't hurt us. Let me tell you something. They probably will. Being in a relationship means you've signed on to be hurt. It's just the nature of it. Whether that's loss, right? Whether it's betrayal, you're going to get hurt. So it's not trusting that the other person won't hurt us. Just that we have the tools. We are resilient. We will be okay if they do because we are grounded in ourselves. That's the important distinction. So the first step to this work is always awareness. Take a very close look at what is showing up in your life, specifically in your relationships, because that will point you to exactly what needs healing within you. And and it is so easy to stay in our habitual patterns, just going along on automatic pilot, right? And then we react, and then we reenact the same thing. And that's the definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing and expecting different results. But we can choose differently. We can, you know, stop this this sort of habitual pattern. Um, We can take a deep breath. We can look at our relationships in our life and be really accountable and honest with ourselves and courageously begin the process of change by looking at the parts within us that that needs work. This is when we look at the situation that's happening, not as happening to us. We're not victims, but for us. That if you are in a tough place right now, there is grace and there is wisdom. You might just have to look for it. It's because it's within you. And this is the point of change and where healing actually happens. Right? Again, the focus is internal rather than external. Nothing on the outside, money, property, prestige, things, looks, talent, intelligence, right? Those things cannot fill the emptiness. Why? Because they change and fluctuate. The nature of all external conditions are they are temporary. So then when we recognize this, we are really called to find something more lasting to define us. And this is where we look at really loving ourselves. The acceptance, the validation, the love we seek is real. The need to want it is the desire to want it, I should say, is important. It is your birthright, and it is attainable, and you certainly deserve it. But if we think it's going to come from out there or that person, we will come up short. 
So take it as a sign that when you feel unloved in some ways, you are disconnected from your own heart, your own center, your own being. You know, and I, we're all meant to find this inner worthiness and connection, but we're, we, we're, we're not sure how. We are told things like love yourself first and you are perfect just the way you are, but then we are given all these messages about how external things and our accomplishments and accolades and talents are measures of our worth. We are told we are enough, and then we are shamed when we don't do it right. So we are confused. So the whole purpose of relationships is to bring us back to this essential truth that we do not need anyone to define or complete us and to show us exactly what works and needs to be done within so we can claim it for ourselves. We need relationships to uncover the shadows within so that we can lean into compassion, acceptance, integration, and love. The issues in our relationships really are the shadows of our own personal inner potential waiting to be awakened. We need relationships to trigger us, to show us just just what needs to be made conscious so we can realize the self-acceptance we seek was never lost, just buried or maybe overlooked. And the work of relationships is not just about healing our shadow but claiming our light. It has been said that joy is the most dangerous emotion because it opens us up to owning our own worthiness and claiming our own abundance. So relationships can show us exactly where we need to work on our joy. When you witness the beauty of your child, the strength in your husband, the nurturing of your friend, that is a a reflection of you. And can you own that? Can you allow yourself to be deserving of joy? Can you settle into a place of gratitude? Because that is your work too. By doing our own work of growing up and maturing, we learn to, to play for ourselves the, the role of healthy family. Right? We reparent ourselves. And then when we do that, this is the cool part. We become sort of these beacons of wholeness mm-hmm. and love. by claiming our own acceptance and appreciation, allowing authenticity and compassion for ourselves. And then we can shine. We shine these same things outward to our children, to our friends, our partners, our soulmates. And not only then are we changing ourselves, but we have the capacity to change everyone around us. That's why teachers always say, if we want to change the world, we have to embody it ourselves. This is change from the inside out. It's being the change we seek in the world. So doing this work has a much broader effect than just healing your own life. Sure, the more work we do, the more we strive, um, or the less we strive for perfection or external control and replaying old patterns, right? The less we do that, the more we resonate the soulmates that echo our worth and that we we have experience that show, that resonate love. 
we feel purposeful and inspired and alive. This, This is so true. But the gift in that is not only are we able to give it to ourselves and heal, but we give it to the rest of the world. So if you want to change the world, learn to love yourself. That's the very best thing we can do. Recovery from this kind of stuff is a dance that celebrates progress, not one that achieves perfection. And this is what we are all meant to claim. And relationships are an amazing tool to be able to do that. So then the questions become, how do we, how do we actually do it? How do we heal? Right? No, no big... <laughs> Um, let me just define that in five minutes, right? How do you claim self-love? Um, that's no small question. It's, it's the process. It's the way through. It's the verb. It's the action part of everything we've been talking about here. And perhaps that, that would make a great future show. I should do that. And, and in some way, I think every show that I've ever done is sort of a way to, to, to find that. Um, and I, I want to offer that you know, this kind of work, if you this is big. I mean, this is life work, right? If you find yourself in my words today or through the last few shows, please reach out. This this is the kind of work that isn't it's so difficult for us to do by ourselves. And I certainly own that. Um I have my own teachers that I that I work with because this kind of work has the capacity to make us go right back into old patterns. And we really need sometimes that person that's able to step in and say, stop, remember the tools, what's going on, to kind of work us through. I think it's beautiful when we can find someone in our life that can be a mirror for our own, for our own way that we can reparent ourselves. You know, that they can hold a space of true processing, which is holding love present when anything left in love exists. So you can come in and be vulnerable, and they will hold that space of accountability. Right? They will hold that space of acceptance, right? of compassion. And by doing so, mirror back to you those parts of yourself that you never got, and then you can claim them for yourself and do the work yourself. So I really want to point out that if you don't know how to do it, you don't know how to do it, right? And sometimes we need that extra nudge or extra teaching, extra mirror to teach us to hold that space for us so we can do it for ourselves. So I, I encourage you to reach out. There's there's lots of CODA, CODA recovery groups, right, based on sort of the AA model. You can You can try those. Um, there's other codependency groups based on other models um, that you can try. Therapy, great way to go. Um, you know, even clergy that you, you connect with. Friends that are, are really able to be honest with you. Um, coaches, the work that I do, coaching, that are familiar with this kind of transformational work. You know, just understand that there is hope you can absolutely transform and heal, and I will tell you, it is so much better on the other side. Um, I know it's tough sometimes to walk through it, but it is so much better. 
So, you know, within that sort of framework, um, if you have more questions, if you have comments, if you want to learn more about the work that I do of, of helping people through times like this, then contact me via my website. Um, you know, and, and if you have questions on this show, I do want to offer that because I believe the next show I do is probably going to be just answering some of the questions that have emerged from this series thus far. So I may give a couple weeks or so for questions to come in because I know I've been doing this weekly. If you have questions, please, alekasky at gmail.com, right? Or you can email me through my website. Really, it's... Um, I, I know that there's a lot of questions. You know, I get questions like some of the questions I've gotten thus far. How do you know when a relationship is over? What do you do when it's over? Right? And how can we channel our adult self in picking mates and be more discerning in our partners? Um, I got a question the other day. What's the difference between conflict and, and codependent drama? These are great questions. So if you have more about um, this, and want to know more about relationships or any place that I haven't explored or want more clarity, please um, get in touch with me. Until then, I, I just want to extend my deepest gratitude for listening. I, I do really appreciate you taking the time, and I really appreciate your feedback, so keep it coming. Until the next show, until the next time, please take good care. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.